Let's open our Bibles to the book of Joshua this morning. I know what else I was going to do. If you served in any branch of our armed service, would you stand? Because we'd just like to see those who didn't die in our armed services. There we go. Give them a big hand, okay? <laughs> Memorial Day, Joshua chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. It says, And it came to pass, when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Take for yourselves twelve men from the people, one man from every tribe, and command them, saying, Take for yourselves twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's foot stood firm, and you shall carry them over with you, and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. And Joshua called the twelve men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe. And Joshua said to them, Cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in the time to come, saying, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off. Before the ark of the covenant of the Lord, when it crossed over the Jordan, and the waters of the Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be a memorial to the children of Israel forever. And the children of Israel did just as Joshua commanded, took up twelve stones from the midst of the Jordan, as the Lord had spoken to Joshua, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, carried them over with them to the place where they lodged, and laid them there. Then Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the ark, who bore the ark of the covenant, stood still, and they are there to this day. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful to be here uh, uh, just a Sunday to come aside and to worship you. I thank you for all that's gone on during the Sunday school hour and how uh, you've blessed us with your word and how we studied it and grew from it. And Father, I thank you for gifting your church with music. Uh, Lord, it just it's a praise to your holy name. We cannot do that enough. We can never understand the depths of your love that would send Christ to die for one such as me and others for our sins. Lord, we want to celebrate Jesus today, and we want to think about memorials today as our country gets ready to celebrate Memorial Day. And, and Father, we just ask that your Holy Spirit will bring the Word alive to us, your Word, and Lord, that it will go out in power and accomplish what you intend for it to do, especially speak to those who have never accepted Jesus Christ publicly as their personal Lord and Savior, that today would be the day that they do that. Lord, for other decisions that need to be made, we just pray they'll be made for your honor and your honor alone. These things I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We come to celebrate Memorial Day. Uh, some, some people have Decoration Day on Memorial Day where they decorate the graves. It was originally far, remembering the fallen, specifically the fallen Civil War dead, and it included all of our dead throughout all the world. I think in our country today, uh, we need to ask... Uh, what have we forgotten? You see, uh, I, I liken us to a fellow named Gaius Planius Secundus. He was known in history as Pliny the Elder. Uh, he was born in A.D. 23 and died in A.D. 79. Now what's so funny about that to me is that Pliny didn't have to die. Pliny was uh, an admiral of a Roman fleet anchored not far from Pompeii. Okay, and uh, 
When Mount Vesuvius started rumbling and ash started spewing in the air, there were many that, that told Pliny the elder, come with us, we'll get on the boats and we'll be safe, come with us. And he stayed behind to help those that were trying to flee the city. Now, we think that's honorable until you realize what he was saying. His last words recorded were these, it'll be okay, it'll be all right, don't worry, it'll be all right. But it wasn't all right. He was entombed in the lava that flowed down on top of the city. You see, we have a lot of people, uh, conservatives, liberals, whatever you want to call them, a lot of people from all branches of life that keep whispering that America's okay, that we'll be okay, it'll be all right, that we'll just do this program or that program, and it'll be okay. And yet, I wonder, is it really going to be okay? You see, and I'm convinced that it's not going to be okay until uh, we do something very specific. See, God, from this passage of Scripture, God really wants to guide us to accomplish His purposes. God wants to guide us to accomplish His purposes. And see, He'll do that if we'll let Him. And that's the only way it's really going to be okay. Israel had her spiritual memorials. And there are some spiritual memorials we probably need to, too. But for it to be okay... In America, for it to be okay in our communities, in our cities, for it to be okay in our homes, there are at least three things that they did or experienced that we have to do also. The first one is this we need to remember our past, okay? Both personally and corporately as a nation. You see, the, the Israelites did that. We had to remember the past. See, the Israelites had been on a journey. That journey had lasted 40 years. You remember that the group of spies came back and 10 of the spies gave a bad report. God had led them with 10 mighty plagues, led them through the wilderness where they ate manna and had water from the rock, took care of every need they had. They came to the very precipice, the very gates of the promised land. What do you think about it? They were there. The report came back, the land is good. But there's giants in the land. We are grasshoppers in their sight. And only two spies said they could take it. The people mourned. The people decided they were going back to Egypt. God got angry and said, not a one of you will touch foot in my promised land. And for 40 years they wandered until that whole generation passed away. And died off. And then their very children who they said they were trying to save from the giants are the ones who went in to fight. The giants. You see, God wanted to guide them for his purposes, and they refused. And we need to do that too, but we need to remember our past. They remembered what God had done for them, but they forgot when it came time to go into the promised land. You see, I think we need to remember some of the things that God did for us. You see, uh, from that little bit about their going, I learned two specific truths. The majority is not always right. Okay? And then the second truth I learned was this. When you disobey God, you often miss your opportunity. Now that seems a little harsh to us, but they missed their opportunity. They missed seeing what God had for them. They missed going into the promised land. You see? So here they come, and they're now at a point where, remembering their past... God heaps up the waters of the Jordan at flood stage and they walk across on dry ground. When they get across, the 12 ones that were chosen picked up rocks, put them on the shoulder, went to where they were camping at night, laid them down. 
Joshua built sort of a little mound there. It was sort of a remembrance there. And it was for the specific purpose, whenever the kids would ask in the future, why are those rocks stacked there, Dad, or Grandpa, or whoever? Say, oh, that's when God led us over and he stopped the flooding of the Jordan. We went over on dry land into the promised land. That's when we knew that he kept his promises and, and they did those things. That was their job was to gather those rocks and to build that because they were remembering their past. They remembered that God always keeps his promises and leads us according to his purposes. You see... Uh, We've forgotten that America was really born in a livery stable. It was right next to the hall where they met in Philadelphia to draft the Declaration of Independence. Thomas Jefferson, writing about it, said there was the smell of horses and the, the air was thick with horse flies which would bite to no end no matter how much we swatted or tried to get away from them. He said that it was signed on July 4, 1776. And uh, who were those men? Fifty of them signed that day and six more patriots later. Were they rabble-rousers? No. You need to understand that 50 of these were members of Congress. They were lawyers and judges, and six were just patriots. We forget that our nation was birthed with a high price. Think about this. Of those 56 that put their name right there for King George to see in the Declaration of Independence. Okay. Most paid a real high price. Five of those signers of the original decoration were captured by the British during the war and tried as traitors, tortured, and died. We could go on. Twelve had their homes ransacked and burned. Two lost sons in the, in the war. Uh, another had two sons captured and hung during the war. Nine of those died from hardships and wounds during the Revolutionary War. You see, we need to understand that a lot of them died poverty-stricken. Alexander Braxton was one who owned a large plantation. His ships that he used to, to do his goods were driven off the sea by the British. Okay, He died in abject poverty because he could not pay off all of his debts from that happening to him. We can go on and, and I can tell you about Virginia Carter... Uh, he had to sell everything to pay off his debts to help finance the war. Thomas Nelson Jr., uh, his, horn, his home was actually the one that Cornwallis, General Cornwallis, took over for his base of operations. And when they finally had Cornwallis back back up, it was him, Thomas Nelson, who told Washington, fire on him, fire on him. His house was destroyed during that time. After the war, he died absolutely penniless. Now, I could go on and on about that. I can't, can't name them all. But you see, our history reminds us that our freedom doesn't come cheaply. When we say we remember the fallen dead that died in the war, that's what we do. I could go to the Civil War. 529,332 people died during the, the Civil War. World War I, 116,563. World War II, 407,828. Korea, 54,246. Vietnam, 56,237. We could add Desert Shield. We could add Iran. We could add Afghanistan. You see, we owe a debt to the people who died for our freedoms. Now, 
You see, all this should remind us of something, how blessed we are. How blessed we are to live in a free nation. If you don't think we're a free nation, you need to go around the world to some other countries. If you don't think we're a blessed nation, you need to visit some of the third world countries. It will amaze you how rich even those who live in the poverty line in America are compared to the rest of the world. Memorial Day is a time, I don't know what your family does, ours always barbecues. I guess that's what we're going to do is barbecue some hot dogs or boil them, I don't know. We're going to have something there though at camp, come see us. You see, we always barbecue, but see, a lot of Americans, that's what they do. This is a holiday weekend. They're going to drink. They're going to party. They're going to go back to work uh, about Tuesday and bleary-eyed and had a big old time on Memorial Day, and they fail to realize the meaning. There's some of those saying, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. When it should mean that we remember those who died in our place and remember that we that we remember the one who ultimately died in our place, Jesus Christ. It should be a time as we gather with family, as we have those cookouts, as we do those fun things, when we remember to circle up and have a family prayer and thank God for his blessings and praise him for what he's done for us. It should be a time when we reflect on what has happened. We need to remember our past. But you see, these folks didn't just remember their past. They had to impact their present. You see, they did the retelling. As verse 6 and verse 21 tells us, when the children asked what these mean, they got an answer. They knew what it meant. You see, I'm afraid with all the different memorials, the crosses and everything they want to take down in our country, there's going to be a whole generation raised up and doesn't remember not one thing about World War One, World War Two, on and on and on it goes. Vietnam War. See, we're supposed to impact the present. We're supposed to tell them of what happened, but these folks are supposed to tell them of the marvelous faithfulness of God. Do we have that? Do we tell our children and our grandchildren how faithful God has been through the years to impact our present? See, I'm hoping as a church that all these children that God has graced us with that we bring on the buses, all these ones that come on Wednesday nights, uh, the ones on Sunday morning, the ones in the youth, all these kids need to be told about a great God and how he died on the cross in our place and how he walks with us and he talks with us, as the song says, and he tells us we are his own. Whatever spiritual memorials you have that that you should have some as you walk with God, where he talks to you in this special way, where he delivered you in this special time, where he, he was your rock, where he was your defense, where he was your shield. And you should be telling those of later generations to impact the present. Our God is still alive. Our God is still powerful. Our God can still get it done. If not, we're failing to impact our present. See, because it's not just a matter of retelling God. See, when we realize what God has done for us and how good he's done for us, that should, that should really cause us to consecrate ourselves anew to him, to rededicate to him in special ways. That's what it should do. See, there should be a reaction when we look at our country and how good God has been to us. In Matthew 5, 13, Jesus calls us the light of the world and the salt of the earth. That's quite a job. 
He didn't say you will be when you get a certain education or certain age. He says you are because he lives within us with the Holy Spirit. So we are the light of the world. Primary purpose of light is to drive out darkness. It's to uncover things. Primary purpose of salt is to add flavor and to preserve. That's what God expects us to do for our society. With all the problems that our country has, and we could, we could, we could list a whole litany of, of them. The reason we haven't been destroyed to this point is because of God's grace and mercy. Because America at one time was a Christian nation. America at one time sent out more missionaries than any other nation in the world. Those days are no longer. See, I want you to look up here and don't go to sleep. But Don't believe a revisionist history. Do you know what revisionist history is? That's where somebody writes out what they don't like. And in American culture right now, there's only one name that they don't want you mentioning in public. That's Jesus. And they want to tell you that George Washington and the other founders of our country were deists. In other words, they believe in the God, but you couldn't know him. And yet, George Washington... In his inaugural speech as the first president of our country. Said we owe a debt of gratitude to our God. He knew God. Not just as somebody wholly unknown that didn't care. He went on to say we owe him because he designs and governs the affairs of men. And he's brought us as a country about. And our country above all others must remember that. If you go on and read there. He and the other founding fathers said that they built this country on the principles they found in God's word in the Bible and to impact the present if we remember the past we're supposed to impact the present quit being ashamed of being a Christian don't let them write you out of the story we've tried to take God's word out of every public sphere and yet that's exactly the opposite because our founders said that if we cease believing the Bible this republic because that's what we are, will cease to exist. We're supposed to impact the present. Do we understand that? Have we lived in such a way that we can influence others for Jesus this week, this month, this year? So we got the past and we got the present, just like they have. But what, what else do we have? We need to push toward progress in the faith. That's the future. Push towards progress in the faith. You see, the Israelites weren't to remain static and neither are we. You see, they were to become holy because their God was holy. They were to be a nation of priests. A nation of priests? Yes, a nation of priests because all the world was to know the one true God that they had and what he had done for their country their nation see we're to grow more christ-like every single day and our spiritual memorials show god's work in our lives they show that he wants to guide us towards that end they show that he wants to have a hand in it for his purposes you see when they were meeting and drafting the constitution they couldn't agree on what it was supposed to say And finally, Benjamin Franklin, before they adjourned that day, stood up and told 
Mr. President, George Washington, he said, from now on, we need more guidance so we can agree what this is to look like. I suggest we pray because if any, if anyone has more to pray about than our country and God's guidance, I want you to tell me who it is. And so from that day forward, they prayed before they started until they had the Constitution pinned and worked out. I wonder what that would look like in America today. Trying to pray until they could agree on things. Trying to pray no matter whose side, quote unquote, your own. Trying to pray to seek God's will instead of man's will. See, they were to push towards progress. They were to look, recommit themselves to that memorial, teach their children to move forward as God would have them to move forward. And they did until that generation passed away. I'm afraid that maybe our country is now what Isaiah talked about. I'm going to read it for you. Isaiah chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. Said I was going to read it for you. Here's what he says. Why should you be stricken again? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick and the whole heart faints. From the sole of the foot, even to the head, there is no soundness in it. But wounds and bruises and putrefying shores, they have not been closed or bound up or sued with ointment. Your country is desolate. And yet, in that same chapter, verse 18, God extends this to his people, to us. Come, now let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat of the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken this. At the end of his days, Joshua had seen their progress. At the end of his days, he told them these words. Behold, this day I am going the way of all the earth. And you know all your hearts and all your souls. That not one thing has failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spoke concerning you. All have come to pass not one or more of them has failed. All right. And then he goes on and he says, Choose this day whom you will serve. Were the gods who were on the other side of the river, the gods you served in Egypt, the gods in whose land you dwell, the Amorites and the Canaanites. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? For some, remembering the past is a very painful thing. They don't like to dwell on the past. Let me tell you something. No matter what your past is, God can heal our past. God can forgive our past. God can make us white as snow, clean, if we'll come to him in repentance. Some are having a terrible present. And God wants to be the God of the past and the present. If we'll surrender to him, let him guide for his purposes in our lives. And some need to start impacting the present 
by your life, by your witness, by what you're doing and working in the kingdom. There's not much time. How many years have passed that you decided that, boy, that went quick? Then you need to come and talk to God about it. If you need to come in dedication or to join the church or uh, to accept Christ, then you come. I'm going to pray and we're going to stand. Father, let your will and only your will be done during this time. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.